three years later, we come to the second letter. He writes the second letter and times have changed somewhat because now he sees the greater danger is false teachers. So, you will find the word knowledge appears a lot. Okay, let's look at chapter 1 verse 2 and 3. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You see, straight away the word is knowledge, right? no more sufferings. Okay? And the word knowledge in the Bible is always experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge. Right? A lot of people know things but have never experienced it. Right? A lot of us talk about persecution, persecution, persecution. We haven't a clue what we're talking about. Right? <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So he tells us, we have a new nature. It reminds us, you're born again. The Holy Spirit's in you, giving you a new nature so what happens let's look at verse 5 and verse 7 for this very reason the fact you have a new nature make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just read a few verses. You see the word knowledge appears quite often. And you see that you have this new nature. Don't think you have this new nature. You're okay. Right? You have new potential. You have new potential to live a Christ-like life. But you must then use, build on this potential with what? With these things he talks about. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, loyalty, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Right? So with this potential, if you try to add knowledge to it, Work on love, work on steadfastness, patience or endurance, right? Work on a godly way of living rather than the... Then you will be building on this potential, okay? So you have a new nature, but you also need to potentialize it, okay? Verse 8. So just see how the word knowledge keeps popping up. Huh? Uh, Chapter 1, verse 8, uh, verse 10, sorry. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Let me confirm your election. You know, I'm called. I know I'm called. I know God has chosen me to be his child. But if I don't build on it, my faith will shake, right? I will often begin to question, am I really a child of God? I don't behave like a child of God. I, I, I think I'm a child of God, but actually I behave like people who are not a child of God. Now, what, what happened to your mind? You say, yeah, maybe I'm not, huh? 
But if you have built on all this, and then when the devil puts a thought in your mind, are you really a child of God? You say, of course I am. Why are you so sure? Because I can see my life is very different from the others. They're cursing, they're grumbling, I'm not. They're rebelling, I'm not. They're selfish, I'm not. I must be a child of God. You confirm your call, right? It's not that you're confirming on God's behalf, you're confirming your own mind, right? And the devil likes to shake up your faith in him. All right. Chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as the Lord has made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able any time to recall these things. Paul's expect, uh, Peter's expecting to die and he says, I'm doing all this so that you will remember. Now this is leaving his uh, truth behind for them. Okay, uh, And then in verse 16, you find him defending himself because people were attacking him. Right? For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming. People say, ah, yeah, the story about Jesus made up by Peter. No, no we did not. Okay? And then in verse 19 of chapter uh, 1, he says, we are teaching you what is in the scripture. All right? And then he explains what is inspiration. Very, very interesting. Chapter 1, verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is an explanation of the inspiration of Scripture. Men were carried along. Though they wrote with their own words in there, but God was leading them to write Scripture. And Peter says, I'm the, I didn't tell you miss all this is in the Bible, everything I'm telling you, all right? Chapter 2. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Wow! He's telling them they're going to have false teachers. Get ready for it, just as they were false prophets number two chapter two verse three and in their greed they will exploit you with false words their condemnation for long from long ago is not idle their destruction is not asleep why do they do all these false teachings because they want to make money they tell you things you like to hear more people come more offerings more tithes very simple all right it's called marketing in modern terms. The more customers, the more money you have. The more congregation, the more love offerings you have. How do you get more congregation? Give them false teachings they like to hear. Simple, right? Nothing new, okay? Chapter 4, it tells them that 
they will be judged. Chapter 4, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. God says they will be judged. Just angels will judge. Then he goes on to say, chapter 2, verse 5, The flood, I judge the world, God said. They thought it could just go on and on, right? Then he talks, chapter 2, verse 6, he talks about Sodom, I judge them also. And chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Well, I judge Sodom. All right? So in other words, don't worry about these four teachers. God will deal with them. Chapter 2, verse 7. And if he rescued righteous lot, greatly distressed, etc. So what is he saying? He will rescue you, but he will judge the evil teachers. Verse 9, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Okay, so he's telling them, don't worry about these false teachers. I will take care of them. But you know that they are there among you and they're preaching false, false things among you. All right. Then he goes on to say in verse 14 and 15, uh, verse 14 and 15, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. All right? Sex and money are the two common ways these people operate they love money and they love sex you'll find all these false teachers they fall for these two things adultery very very common so common there's no more news to see a pastor fall into adultery and greed they love money they love all the luxuries that money can buy very easy to identify such people huh, in due time and then he goes on to say in verse 15, Forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. They've followed the way of Balaam, who loved gain from wrongdoing. Balaam, the guy who in Numbers chapter 22 was paid. He was a prophet of God. He was paid by the king Balak to say what king wanted him to say. He would say anything for a buck, right? But he was stopped by God, this guy Balaam. Numbers 22, verse 19. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. All right? For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first state promise you you know you believe in jesus this way you can do anything you like right but that freedom actually is not freedom it gives you brings you back to the slavery you had before for your lust all right most of us are slaves of lust without knowing we slaves of money right slaves of our pride do anything we, we live and die to look popular and look good and become rich right we are slaves you don't know 
So they promise you freedom, you can do what you like, but they send you back to slavery. So you're exactly back in the same place you were before because of this freedom, all right, to sin, which is slavery, okay? Well, this is quite deep, <laughs> all right? And then he says, it is like going back. The dog returns, verse uh, 22. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns his own vomit. The sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. These people supposedly bring you out of all this and then allow you to go back exactly to that. All right, chapter 3. And it last chapter 3, verse, one, uh, verse 3 and 4, it tells us, right, that knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own desires, they will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And yeah, you talk about the Lord's coming. Things are going on forever and ever, right? Nothing has changed. And then Paul says to them, well, there's a flood, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. There was a flood. God have every every culture talks about a flood. But then they say, where, where, why, why so long? Chapter 8, chapter 3, verse 8. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance why is the lord taking so long he said it's going to come and judge you know why it's taking so long because for you it looks long for him it's not long for him one thousand years is not even one day in eternity it's true that's a fact but more than that it's a reason he wants to give people time to repent if he comes now too late your uncle your grandfather your dad may be gone He's delayed it for to give people time to repent, all right? So that you may be saved. Then chapter 3, verse 10. Wow. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will burn up and dissolve, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Wow. That's an atomic release every atom is held together by god jesus in colossians 1 17 says by me all things consist he holds the electrons the protons electrons protons negative opposite charges actually are ready to go but it's held up by christ this is atomic understanding of the atom right but on that day, there will be a release. Christ is going to release it. There's going to be an atomic explosion from every cell. Not from a bomb, right? From every cell, okay? And then the whole element, every atom will melt and dissolve. Wow, I hope you can figure that out. If you studied physics, hopefully your physics will be useful, all right? All these things will be dissolved. The earth will pass away. But verse 13, But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. So why you worry about what's happening on this earth? This is a temporary place. Everything you build here will poop. If it doesn't poop, you will have to leave it anyway, sooner or later. But there's a new heaven and a new earth and that's where revelation we need to study many christians have never even understood the new heaven and the new earth right 
In the meanwhile, it says to us, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Right? Wait for God. And then, just be patient and wait. And then chapter 7, uh, verse 17 18. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For it. to him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. All right. So what have we got here? We can look forward in the face of persecution from outside, in the face of heresies from inside, which will come for sure. That's normal Christianity. We are now living in abnormal times. The normal times will come, right? We've seen some of it, persecution in some places. We've seen heresy everywhere, right? But that's okay. Why? Because this world will pass away with a boom and dissolve, disappear, and a new heaven and a new earth. And that's where we are headed. That living hope, right? That we will enjoy eternity in the real place. Okay? So I hope this book will help you that God didn't lose the Garden of Eden to Adam's, uh, to Satan's tricks. God got rid of that Adam. He allowed Satan to get rid of that. He's going to give us a better heaven and a better earth. God wins always. Who is our God? A wonderful God. His plans are always higher than ours. His ways are higher. He's perfect. He's going to make a perfect heaven and a perfect earth for you and me. Revelation will teach us the beautiful ending of this book. God bless you.